Welcome to RUF. So glad that you guys are here. Spring term edition. Sorry it's like the dreariest beginning of spring term ever. It is coming. Spring is coming. Uh, if you are new to RUF, we're really glad to have you. My name is Lewis Lovett. I'm the RUF campus minister. We're, we're a community that's gathered around what we think is the most important things in life. It's responding to God's love for us, loving him and loving each other. And we do that through meeting on Tuesday nights. We do that through our small groups, which I hope that you'll check out. We do that in our community as friends. And so it's exciting to get to uh, take part in that here together with you this evening. We, we talked last semester going through Philippians about joy, about how true and lasting joy is only found through our life in Jesus Christ. And so we're turning tonight for spring term and change of directions and we're going to talk about what it means to be a person. I've told some of you guys this story before. I lived in, Megan and I and our family lived in St. Louis for three years for, for grad school and had some friends who had a neighborhood pool and they invited us over one summer to their house and we, we walked to the pool and as we were walking, uh, their oldest child, who was about seven at the time, was just kind of walking along with uh, her bathing suit and her you know, backpack full of pool stuff and she just was looking around and remarked, it's so amazing that I'm a person. And I was like, yes, that is it. Like, isn't that amazing? Like, you are a person. Like, you are a per- I'm a person. It's, we don't think about it too much. It's a little overwhelming. We're going to spend the next two weeks talking about what it means to be a person. We're going to talk tonight about uh, being created in God's image. And we're going to talk next week about being transformed into Christ's image. The third week of spring term is going to be our senior night. I want to really encourage you guys to come. That's a chance for us to get to hear from our seniors as they are getting ready to move on to the next adventure of life, uh, to hear how, how they've seen God at work, pass on their wisdom to us who are uh, staying behind in their wake. So I want to encourage you guys to come out for that. But tonight we're starting at the beginning looking at Genesis 1, 26 to 28. So if you have your Bible, it's page 1, or it's on your handout, or you can look at it on your device. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. <clears throat> this is uh, right at the very end of the creation account, where God in each of the six days of creation, by just the word of his power, speaks the universe into existence, let there be light. And um, this is on the sixth day, he's just made all of the living creatures, and now he makes man and woman. It says this in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Thanks for spring term and the uh, gift of uh, a little more margin that many of us are enjoying. Thanks for this community, and thank you that you give us your word. I pray that your spirit would be at work through it right now, so that we might know you and love you more. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. In season four of The Office, there's an episode called Goodbye, Toby. It's one of the great episodes. Uh, Toby's getting ready to leave to go to Costa Rica, and 
uh, they're throwing a goodbye party for him. And the party planning committee has got a nice, humble party plan. They're going to have some slides. They only found three pictures of Toby. So they have a very short slideshow, and they have a cake. And Michael walks into the party planning committee meeting, and he's so excited, and he wants a little bit of a bigger party. And he's trying to explain to Angela, like, what he wants. And so he turns to her and he says, if the devil were to explode and evil were gone forever, what sort of party would you have? Maybe beach theme? He's just throwing ideas out. He wants the moon. He wants his extravagant party. And Angela turns to him and she says, there's, there's simply no money other than develop a few more slides. And then Michael has this great idea and he takes his shoe off and he puts it on the table and he pulls up the, the line to his shoe and he takes out this wad of $100 bills. <laughs> and it turns out that uh, his grandmother for his birthday every year sends him a check, still as an adult, for $50. And apparently as Nana has gotten a little older and as her wits have gone, she's been sending him like nine to ten checks a year. <laughs> and he has decided to save them up for something special. He cashes them. He's got a couple grand in his shoe for the motorcycle. And then he forgets about it. And then in this moment, he remembers this gift. And he unwraps this gift again. So that they can have fireworks and ice sculpture and a zero-gravity machine. That doesn't exist. That's what we're doing tonight as we talk about being made in God's image. We're, we're re-unwrapping this gift. This thing that we've heard about, that we know about. And we've put away and we've kind of forgotten about. And and we're going to put it on the table and we're going to celebrate it. And we're going to try to wrap our minds around the magnificent beauty of the gift that we as people, everyone you know, everyone on this earth, every human is made in God's image. Uh, And and being made in God's image is, is an incredible thing. Being made in his image, in his likeness. It, It means that to be a human, to be a person is to be like God. It is out of what he is like that we are what we are, which means that the the fundamental definition of what it means to be a human is wrapped up in our connection with God. It's wrapped up in who he is and how we are connected to him. That's the only way this makes sense. And and as we're going to see, this connection is, is not a metaphor. It's participatory. It's our relationship with God. Being made in his image means that we are invited as humans to participate in the very life of God. That's what it means to be made in his image. And so we're going to see three ways tonight that we participate in the life of God as people who are made in his image. Okay, here's the three things. We participate in God's life through his rule, through his reverence, and through his relationship. So first, we we participate in the life of God as people who bear his image through God's rule. The, the thing that stands out about this passage, if you read it, uh, other than that we're made in his image, which is repeated three times, is the word dominion. It's in verse, it's in verse 26 and then again in verse 28. That, that we are created to have dominion. There were another, another thing in verse 20 it says subdue. We're supposed to subdue the world. We're supposed to have dominion over everything. When we, when we think of the word dominion, usually that's a bad word, Right? We think of domination or domineering or the oppressive abuse of power to squash someone else. But that's not what God's dominion is like. Because our dominion is like his. Our rule in the world, our power in the world, our influence in the world is derived from his. And how he uses it. How he uses his power. 
And so if, if you look at the way that God sets this up, what he does is he, he starts just giving things and sharing things with his people from the very beginning. He makes this whole creation, and then he gives it to people. He puts them in this garden and says, now you're in charge of everything. And their whole job is to guard it, to cultivate it, to be fruitful, to produce things. Their job is to make the world that they are ruling, their spheres of influence, everything that they touch, their job is to make it flourish. Of course, that's how God uses his power in our lives. That's how how he uses his throne. That's how he uses his son. It's not to dominate us, but so that we might flourish, so that we might have life. And so the sense that we get about what it means to have dominion is to use the influence that we have, the leadership that we have, the production that we make, in order that other things, that the people around us, that the institutions that we're a part of might flourish. It's sort of speaking our language here at W now, right? You're, you're trained to lead here. You're trained to have influence. You're trained to have positions. You're trained to be creative, to produce things, to accumulate things. God's word says, yeah, you're actually meant to do that. You're actually supposed to do that. The challenge comes in saying, what are you going to do with it? And so I want you to take a second and think about the spheres of influence that you have. Some of you are captains of a team. Some of you are on the EC or the SJC. Some of you are presidents of clubs. Some of you are peer counselors. Some of you are RAs. Some of you are pre-O trip leaders. Some of you have summer internships. Some of you have jobs lined up. You have all these positions of leadership and power. And the question is, what are you going to use them for? Because the temptation is to use your influence and your power so that you will flourish. And that is not what it means to be a person. Because that is not what God is like. And so I want to challenge you to think about those things as you, as you take this time in spring term. How you might use those things so that other people might flourish. So that other people might succeed. So that other people might grow. So that the systems and the institutions and the, and the clubs and the organizations and the teams that you're a part of might grow, might be healthier. That's what it means to be a person, because that's what God is like. That's what it means to participate in his rule. The second thing tonight, we participate in God's reference. I've, I've had a chance to um, see some cool things in my life. I, I went on a trip right after college with a couple of my best friends from high school to Europe. And we had all kinds of adventures and did all kinds of uh, silly things. But we also saw some really beautiful things. The, the first place we went was uh, Florence. Uh, and we saw the David, which is this this statue sculpted by Michelangelo. Uh, it's one of the most noble things I've ever seen. You, you've all you've all probably seen pictures of it, and you get to go and it's up on it's on this pedestal. You're kind of like looking up at him. It's an incredible thing. We went we went to Paris and went to the Louvre and we saw the Mona Lisa, which was a lot smaller than I anticipated, and I had to wait in line for a long time. But it was still pretty cool. And the reason that that painting has lasted, there's like better paintings of women out there, right? She has this quiet confidence and strength and dignity. It's an incredible thing. My, the, the, the coolest work of art I've ever seen was on another trip. Maggie and I went to Rome and went to the Vatican City and saw this other Michelangelo sculpture there uh, in St. Peter's Basilica uh, called the Pieta, which is this sculpture out of marble of Mary holding the body of Jesus after he has died on the cross. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen other than another real person. 
and, and these kind of famous <clears throat> works of art, these things around us, that they tap into something because they remind us about how incredible the human form is. How incredible the human body is. It's the most amazing part of creation. And so when I talk about reverence here, I, I'm actually not talking about our reverence to God, our worship of him. I'm talking about our reverence for our bodies. And again, not worship, but the awe and the respect of the beauty and the dignity of the human body. The awe and the respect that we have for the dignity and the beauty of the human body. Because God has put his image in the world, and it's not a metaphor. It's not a symbol it's not an idea. It's not a spiritual feeling. It's a body. Your body is what God has chosen to be the physical representation in the world of what he is like. Your body. Your skin, your, your muscles, your hair, your blood, your bones, your fingernails. That's what God has chosen to be the physical representation of what he is like. And that means that as you think about, if you're a Christian, I'm, not, I'm sure not everyone here tonight is a Christian, but if you're a Christian, if you're someone who has a relationship with God, who's trying to follow God with their life, that the way you think about your body is not separate from that. That is not separate from your walk. That is not separate from your faith. That is not separate from your spiritual journey. Part of being a disciple is how we care for our body. That means that how you think about beauty, how you think about exercise and fitness, how you think about your sexuality, how you think about food, how you think about alcohol, those are all part of your faith life. Those are all part of your relationship with God because they are intimately connected with what God is like. Your body is what he has chosen to show the world what he is like. There's, there's good news here and then there's a challenge here, okay? The, the good news is that your body matters to God. The good news is that your body is beautiful to God. Your body is valuable to God. It is special to God because he made it and because he has chosen it to be the representation of what he is like. We, we tend to uh, have this kind of black and white picture about what it means to have a body. We're, we're, we, have, we have this dichotomy. There's good-looking bodies and bad-looking bodies. There's healthy bodies and unhealthy bodies. There's sexy bodies and unsexy bodies. There's fit bodies and unfit. We, that's not how God sees our, sees our bodies. That as a person who has a body, the dignity that is encapsulated in who you are is the most magnificent part of creation. That is hard for us to believe sometimes when we look in the mirror, isn't it? It's the most magnificent part of creation. The, the challenge to this is that because we are made in God's image, because we are made by God, because what it means to be a person physically is to be like what he is like, that you do not get to determine the value of your body on your terms. You do not get to determine the value of your body on your terms. You do not get to say healthiness and dignity means getting drunk four nights a week. That's what health and dignity means. Purity and respect means using your body sexually for pleasure with whoever you want, whenever you want. We actually don't get to determine these things. We do not assign value. God does. Which means we have to, 
to be attuned to what he says about our dignity, to what he says about our value, to what he says about our purity, to what he says about our self-respect. Sometimes we're way too casual with our bodies, right? It's just a body. It's just physical. It's just material. Like I can put whatever I want in it. I can use it for whoever I, for whatever I want with whoever else I want. It's just a body. It's no big deal, right? Other times we take our bodies way too seriously. That's where we stand in front of the mirror and we criticize everything we see. And we say, I, I'm nothing unless what I see is perfect in the mirror. And both of these things don't pay attention to the fact that your body, your physicality, is a gift. And it is good because God says so. Do, do you know why we know this? Because God got himself a body. Because Jesus has a body. Because the creator of heaven and earth took on flesh. So that we actually share embodiment with God. We actually share physicality with God. That's an incredible thing. That's unique to the Christian faith. That having a body is not a side note in the history of God. It is the pinnacle of the history with God because he came down and became a person just like you and me. So there is nothing more special to you than the fact that you have a body because you have what Jesus has. It means we need to care for it well. It means the way we think about taking care of our bodies is intimately wrapped up in what it means to follow God. It is not separate. We have reverence for it because it is the physical representation of of what God is like, the pinnacle of his creation. We share in God's rule. We share in God's reverence with our bodies. And then lastly, we share in God's uh, relationship. We're made in God's image. It's out of who he is that we are anything, which means that the central definition to what it means to be a person is that we are like God. So what is God like? One of the interesting things about this verse that can be confusing in verse, 20, in verse 26, God says, Let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image, after our, plural, likeness. Now, not everybody knows what that means. Not everybody agrees what that means. Some, some, some scholars think that's sort of a royal we, like as if a king were making a proclamation. He says, we have decided. He's really just talking about himself, but it's that idea that he sort of represents something greater. That's one of the possibilities. One of the, other, one of the other possibilities is that we're getting a, a peek in Genesis 1 into what will unfold in the rest of the Bible, which is that God is God the Father, and God is God the Son, and God is God the Holy Spirit. This incredible, marvelous mystery that God is three distinct things, but one thing all at the same time. That God is at the center of himself, this relationship, this dance of mutual love and delight and celebration where the father loves and delights in the son and the spirit and the son loves and delights in the spirit and the father and the spirit loves and delights in the father and the son in this dance where it, you can't tell what's going on all the time they're three but they're one it's relationship of love and delight which means that what it means to be a person is relationship of love and delight. That's actually what it means to be made in God's image. The, the other interesting thing is that in verse 27, this is the first thing we learn about man. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them 
the very first point that God makes after he makes us in his image is that we're made to connect with each other. We're given a man and a woman who experience fullness as they connect. We're given relationship as the starting point. And of course, the story of the Bible unfolds from there. So, so that just like your body is a part of your faith and your relationship with God, so are your relationships. This is actually the critical mistake that Lord Voldemort makes in Harry Potter. It's his fatal flaw, right? He surrounds himself with other people. He's got followers. He's got servants. He's got admirers. But he doesn't trust anyone. He's actually totally alone. No one really knows him, and he doesn't love anyone. This happens at WNL everywhere. We're surrounded by people all the time. Everyone here has tons of friends, right? You got friends on your hall and friends on your team and friends in your classes and friends in your fraternity or sorority, but you feel isolated. You feel lonely. You feel like nobody really knows you. You feel like you don't really trust anyone to know like everything that's going on. What we've done is we fail to embrace what it means to be a person because nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible is there a picture of life where someone in isolation lives life just then in God. It's not a category that exists. That always God is working through and calling us into his people. Whether it's Abraham and his family, whether it's the nation of Israel, whether it's Jesus and his 12 disciples, whether it's the church that begins and grows over the whole earth, which we are now a part of, God always, always, always calls us into life together with other people. And it doesn't mean just companions along the way who it's fun to hang out with and watch football and talk about boys. No, it's people who we really know and know us, people who we really trust and trust us, people who we share with, people who encourage us and hold us accountable. It's intimate community. It's real friendship. That's actually what God has called you into. That's actually what it means to be made in his image. Your connectivity is crucial to who you are because that is what God is like. So that means if you want to try to resist temptation at a party, if you want to know what to do with your money once you get a job, if you want to handle the pressures of school, if you want to survive in a new city, if you want to make it through the summer and you think you can just do that on your own if you try hard enough, you are in for disappointment. You cannot do it on your own because you're not a full person if you try. Now, sometimes we're forced into situations that isolate us, right? Sometimes we do it ourselves because our pride is such that we just, we just don't want to let anybody really in because we are afraid if they see the real us, they will turn and run, right? We all have that same fear. But I want to encourage you guys to think about this spring term, this chance. You've got a little more margin to dive deep into relationships, to, to pursue that friend who's been on your heart or that younger, that younger person, to, to join one of these small groups that we have going on throughout the week, to, to ask yourself, who, who really knows me? How can I expand that level of trust? How can I expand that connection of love? What do I need to do to be a person who embodies the connectivity that is a part of what it means to be a person? Uh, and of course, as, 
as we're going to see and as we're going to talk about next week, all of this only makes sense in light of our relationship with God. Because, of course, we're, we're, we're designed to connect to each other. But later on, in the next chapter, we see God walking in the garden. We see this intimate drawing near. We see this story throughout the Bible of him uh, connecting with and communicating insistently and mercifully and loving with his people in the midst of the most trying circumstances you could possibly imagine. We see God loving us so much that he comes into our embodied world as a person with his message of love and his presence. We see him giving his life for us on the cross. We see him raising from the dead, conquering death. Why? So that we might connect with him in life forever. We see him sending his spirit to us. The word for spirit is companion. It's helper. It's the one who's with you. God with us is the message of the Bible. He is here and he is with us. So we're going to talk next week about what it means to be transformed further into the image of Christ. Uh, Tonight, the challenge is this, to, to consider your influence. How can you be like God? To use that influence for the flourishing of other people and not just yourself. How can you imagine and contemplate and live as a person who has a body Realizing that that is the, is the physical manifestation of what God is like, and so it is due an incredible amount of awe and dignity and respect. And how can we pour ourselves into relationships? Because God loves us so much, connects with us so much, that he empowers us by his grace to connect with each other, even though we're broken. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love and your mercy. Father, thank you for this incredible gift that we are made in your image, that what it means to be a person is to be like you in your likeness. It's too much for us to understand. I I pray that you would help us to uh, wrap our imaginations around the magnitude of that gift. I pray that you'd help us to embody your likeness in a way that brings about our flourishing, the flourishing of those around us that brings glory to your name. Thank you that you walk with us in grace and forgiveness as we stumble along and try. We love you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.